0: Hey there, welcome to Business Breakthroughs. I'm your host, Neil DiPantino. So glad you could be with us today. Hey, we're gonna talk a little bit, we're not gonna talk a lot about startups and entrepreneurship, that type of thing. Our guest today is the founder of 24 different companies in high tech, consumer goods, health and manufacturing uh, with products being sold all over the world. Um, He is the founder and CEO of Gusher. Welcome to the show from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love, my friend, Chris Joyce. Chris, welcome. Thanks for having me, Neil. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Uh, You know, we've had some really, we're kind of like having a little bit of fun before we started the show talking, uh, you know, just about basic life things, traffic and weather and, you know, whatever. So um, we're done with all that. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty though. We want to talk about uh, how Gusher can help entrepreneurs and and their business but before we do that we want to really you know find out identify what an entrepreneur is what they kind of need to know to get started um you know uh, startups a lot of people that get into business and they just you know they they really don't have a good plan uh so we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff but before we do just want to learn a little bit about chris joyce so chris tell us a little bit about yourself
1: Sure. Uh, I come from Dayton, Ohio, Fairborn, Ohio, small little town out there. Uh, I started my first business when I was six years old and was off to the races. Uh, I've had 24 companies uh, across the globe, every type of industry imaginable, everything from consumer goods to manufacturing to medical devices. Uh, my products have been sold in more than 11,000 stores in 28 countries. I have users of my tech products in 140 plus countries across the globe. So I've kind of done a lot of different companies. And my most recent company is a company called Gusher, which is a platform to really create companies and launch companies without the need for capital, without the need for investors. So it's a way for really anybody anywhere to be able to start a company, even if they have nothing. I mean, zero, nada. So what happens is people join in these companies in exchange for performance-based equity, nobody gets a damn thing, including us, unless the company succeeds, unless the company is able to launch into the marketplace. So it's really a way that I say to founders is, imagine that you had a million or $2 million in the bank account right this second. What would you do with those funds? How would you build out your company And then gusher that because we do it all day, every day. And that's not joking. In every different industry, every different vertical all across the globe, we have more than 350 different portfolio companies and the methodology and process works and it makes better companies.
0: I love it. So you help uh, people who are getting into business to uh, understand the processes and and you help them along the way, that type of thing. But before you actually even do that, you got to identify whether or not that person is really a really a business person or even an entrepreneur. So you've actually identified different ways that you can help uh, identify whether a person is an entrepreneur or not.
1: Well, I I mean, here's the thing. Fundamentally, I think everybody has the potential to be an entrepreneur. So if they have that little voice inside their head that has an idea that says they can do something or should do something, that's the one thing that almost in a way from the time that we're kids, we're taught to drown out, to ignore that little voice. And many times that little voice is everything when it comes to being an entrepreneur, because you have all these different external voices that tell you it can't be done, it shouldn't be done, it wouldn't be done, couldn't be done. Uh, You have your own self doubts that are crushing, but there's only one typically little voice that says, Do it, you can do it. Uh, And I fundamentally think that, you know, stroking that voice or feeding that voice is the key to being an entrepreneur and and hanging on to it. And I think more than that, I think it's in a way your soul and reason for being here is to basically let that voice out, whatever that voice is. So, you know, when it comes to being an entrepreneur and figuring out whether you're an entrepreneur, you know, I've got all these different methodologies that if if you come from an effed up family, Uh, If you have an ego as big as Texas, if you like going ahead and being in the fire and being uncomfortable, yeah, those are all characteristics of being an entrepreneur and what you run into. But fundamentally, it's listening to that little voice inside your head that says you can
0: You know, we can easily go the other way. Uh, And I can give an example. When I first started my business uh, many years ago, um, my father-in-law came to me, pulled me aside. He was a great businessman. Uh, It was before he passed away. And he said, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to have some struggles okay and you're going to want to give up even worse he said your wife is going to want you to give up she's going to want you to go out and find a job she's going to want you she likes that you know nine to five things she likes that 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 salary she likes knowing what's coming in all the time and I'll be doggone if he wasn't right it happened and I started having self-doubts my wife started having doubts about me but you know we we kind of worked through it and I didn't have a coach but with with you you actually help people th- through that kind of situation is that correct yeah, sure. I mean, we help them definitely one on one
1: intensely because again, we're all rowing in the same direction. We're not sitting there charging people money to get going or anything else. It's a type of thing that we all have equity positions or potential equity positions in getting those companies going. So we have a vested interest in making those companies happen. So when a founder calls you at two a.m. on a Saturday uh, because the wrong honey was used in their initial drink run that they were manufacturing, well, I'm the person that takes those calls and walks them through it uh, and walks them off the cliff, per se. Uh, when you need somebody in, in, at Las Vegas, at CES, to close the ex-chairman of Silicon Valley Bank to invest in your deal, well, we get on a plane and we make that type of stuff happen. So we are there holding the hands of the founders, but we don't really call it a mentorship because it's not. It's really a partnership. We're more of partners with these companies. And actually, what it becomes is more family. And I don't say that that you know lightly. They really become like family. I had multiple uh, founders at my house for Thanksgiving, I've gone to multiple founders' weddings. You know, it's the type of thing that you really get involved uh, with your "quote unquote" customers because they become part of you.
0: It's outside of uh, self doubt, are there other things that maybe hold like a potential entrepreneur back? Things that that he actually either keep them from getting into business in the first place, or you know, challenges they face in getting started.
1: I think it's uh, one of the things is really a matter of perception. Okay. So one of the things that we have a hard time really breaking through is that there's a big perception that you have all these people that have these ideas in their head. And if you ask them why they don't do them or why they don't go forward, they don't say typically they're afraid. They typically say, well, I don't have money. And so not having that money is a perception, a false perception that they need to get started. So going ahead and almost in a way programming them to understand that they don't need money. They don't need money at all. I mean, zero dollars to get going, uh, to really start down that path and to start building a business. That's a hard barrier. But once they're able to recruit one person onto their team, then suddenly the light bulb goes off in their head. And they're like, oh, my God, I don't need money. I never needed money. And they start. It's a very short learning curve. And then they're off to the races. So it's that perception of money that we see that really holds them back from doing it. And also maybe the fear of success. You know, Mm -hmm. we see a lot of people delay uh, even though they have a path of doing it. And suddenly, suddenly, you know, they're just wired a certain way. So we can't be their psychologist. I wish we could. Uh, but we're there every step of the way if they need it.
0: Right. I've heard of the, you know, fear of failure, but uh, the fear of success, that's an interesting concept. How does that what, what's that all about? How does that work? I think some people are are kind of like married in a certain state where they have this idea,
1: um, almost in a way they're afraid of being successful. I think they're they're more afraid of their potential of what would come after that. So even though it's going to sound crazy, and I'm not you know some great big philosopher or psychologist or anything else, I think people tend to stay even in a bad situation just because it's comfortable. It's something that that they're familiar with, and so going ahead and putting their idea in their head out there. Yeah, there's the fear of criticism, whatever it may be. But what if that thing works? It suddenly changes their life. It changes their life in a big way. And I think many times that is very scary, a hard thing for a lot of people to wrap their head around. And I've seen people self-destruct over that.
0: That's interesting. Um, You know, you said in that previous statement, you were talking uh, about, um, you know, you could get started, some people can get started, or I guess all people can get started without uh, any having any money. Uh, to get uh, now. um, That sounds like an interesting concept to me as well. Uh, Now, I can tell you that when I started my business, I had very little money, but I had a little bit of money and I pretty much spent every bit of it to get it going. So what's the process there? How does that all work? Sure. There's something called the vested interest market, the
1: VIM, V-I-M. So this is a concept that's really important to to what are called performance-based equity deals, okay, or startups. So the VIM are the people that have the most to gain, from the success or failure of your company, all right? So when you start building up a company with nothing, I mean, absolutely nothing, the first step is basically getting a team involved to help you leapfrog that company's development and actually become self-sustaining, generating revenue. Well, how do you do that? Well, if I start a company and whatever it is, company A, uh, and I'm able to get some capital and whatever, I simply hire people. I hire them in a transactional way. And, you know, I have certain failure rates, certain success rates. But when you're hiring and bringing on and creating a team of them vested in, in vested interest market, what happens is because these people have the most to gain, the success rates are just dramatically higher. Let me give you a quick example. So we've got a company on our platform called Happy Howl. Happy Howl is a dog food company. So Colin came to us a couple of years ago and he said, hey, you know, I had the sick dog. I took it to the vet and the vet said, put it on this dog food, then another dog food, another dog food. Dog wouldn't eat. Dog kept dying. This is going somewhere, right? So basically, he had to go ahead and hack together his own dog food over two, three, four months. Uh, the dog magically came to life over three, four, five months. And he said he wanted to start a dog food company. Now, Neil, I don't know what you know about dog food companies, but dog food companies are extremely capital intensive. Their companies have been in business more than 100 years. They own shelf space. They dominate it, it, and they don't like competition, and they don't play fairly, all right? So he came to me and said, let's start a dog food company. I said, sure, let's start a dog food company. So he starts this dog food company, recruits this team. This team has managed, you know, $50 million, $100 million, $200 million budgets. He goes ahead, you know, profit and loss ownership. They get that. And sure enough, the team fails six weeks later because he didn't listen to me. He then listened to me. The second team he had All had something in common. They took off like a rocket. A year later, they're worth more than 10.5 million, 15 million. They're growing 30% month over month. Last month, they did 92% uh, growth. National distribution kicking ass with $0 invested. Now, I'm going to ask you a trick question. It's so simple an eight-year-old can understand. I want you to think like an eight-year-old, okay? The second team all had something in common. The first team did not. This is a dog food company. What did the second team all have in common? The first team did not.
0: I'm thinking two things. One, they all had dogs.
1: The other one, they had a vested interest. Damn right. All right. So they weren't just dog owners. They they were dog parents. They didn't have kids. So they ate dog, breathed dog, poop dog, shit dog. They got dogs. So <laughs> they understood it. There was a shorthand there. So they all ended up pulling that right up the mountain exactly the way you do it. And so they all had this vested interest, this understanding of, of how to go ahead and build this company. And that's how you want to build your company. You want to build it with vested interest investors, vested interest market. And that also goes with investors and penetrating the market, which I won't go into to because we're short on time. But the way to initially build a team is by getting other people interested in your company. If you can't, you can't get them interested. You can't get people on board with your team uh, for performance-based equity. The idea shouldn't come to life. It should just die right there on the vine. But if you can get one person, then you have an 80% chance of succeeding. And that's a big deal.
0: I love what you're saying. And I totally agree with the vested interest part of it. But um, I, I guess in back of my mind, I'm thinking like, well, you know, people still have to make a living while this is while you're building this business. So what does that look like? Well, think of it this way. The people that come into these companies are typically very high performers. So they're not people
1: just starting off in their career. They're typically people that are experts at what they do. So if you end up bringing a CMO, well, that CMO has already had an established business. It's something where they have excess time, excess capacity to bring on board. And the focus that they bring is laser-like. You end up bringing on other people that are really in the same position. They're not sitting there struggling to make ends meet and to make this company happen. They're really, it's something that they're getting involved with because of impact, because of interest, because they like what it's about, not just to earn a paycheck, but to really get that company off the ground and for them to get another horse in the race and a possibility at big time of having something hit. And that's why they get
0: involved with it. So you're talking about people who, from a high, higher level. So it's not like me going to my neighbor who I knows, you know, knows, he built a website one time for his kids' right. school, and, and so I think I'll, I'll give him a vested interest in my business and make him a partner. Um, that's that's not what you're talking about.
1: No, actually, that breaks two rules. One, you never do, do business with friends or family on it, <laughs> uh, and it, too close for comfort. So what you want is something where you're developing this team from the very beginning. So you need the expertise of others, you bring in a CTO, a CMO, creative director, so social media, biz dev, CFO, project manager, whatever it may be, whatever you're creating to build that company the right way from the beginning. But what that does is by bringing in those experts, you don't create an MVP, a minimum viable product. What you actually do is create a market viable product and leapfrog generational development to create a company that becomes self-sustaining from the start.
0: And that's really important. Okay. So I don't know anyone like that. You know, I I, I, I I know a few people here. I know, a few, I know a few people there. They're all really busy. They're not really maybe interested in the same things that I'm interested in. How do I find these people? Is that something that Gusher provides? Is that what yeah, you're doing? Yeah, that's what we
1: do. That, that's what our platform does. It puts them together, puts the people. It gets you applicant flow. It facilitates everything. And we walk you through the process. And it's really, you can have companies that have very esoteric niches, something you think you wouldn't be able to find that VIM, the vested interest market for. And we do uh, every time. It's something that that that's really our forte is getting those people involved with your company in the right way. And that's we, we have a saying, you don't need a team to go ahead and launch a company. You need the right
0: team for you. And that's important. The right team. Right. So, have you ever come across like, uh, I'm sure maybe you have, but uh, somebody comes to you, they have an idea that for a business, they think it's going to be the best thing since sliced bread, and only to find out it's probably like moldy bread. It's like not really a good idea. How how do you handle that situation? Well,
1: think of this. So, we're not sitting there, let's say, passing judgment on ideas, and there's a reason why. Uh, We believe in the market validation mechanism. So, what do I mean by that? The fact of the matter is most companies, when you take a look at them in the very beginning stages, they had shitty ideas. They had crappy ideas, almost in a way the crappy ideas are the path to creating good product, to creating a good company, to creating something of value. You have to go through that crap or those bad iterations to create something of value. And so typically what happens is a person, a founder has this idea in their head on what they want to create, but more typically they have a problem they're looking to solve. And so by bringing these people together, what happens is you're able to create a better solution. You're dealing with people that are experts. So, you know, whatever company we're dealing with, we typically say, to them, you're not a medical device company. You're not a SaaS company. You're not a consumer goods company. First and foremost, you are a marketing and sales company. And when you put that marketing and sales component at the beginning with your team, that is Vim, what ends up happening is magic. Good stuff is created and better companies
0: are created. I love that. I, you know, there's. I, I wish more people understood that concept, and it's a concept that I've worked with a couple of clients over the years that really got it, and they they really thrived. Everybody else was more concerned about the widget than they were the processes. So it's just kind of. Yeah. Uh, I love what you're saying there. So uh, you gave us a really good example with the dog food company and everything. I love that. Do you have any other examples? Maybe you can share with us where you've actually had uh, someone who came with you to you with an idea, and you you know you helped them through the process and helped them get going and had some success. Oh, sure. We have something like, like Nomad, which is called Security in Motion. Uh,
1: that's an electronics device, a traveling electronics device. They have a Walgreens deal that they just hit up. Uh, we have numerous consumer goods companies, everything from uh to uh, Bean Smashers, which is a new type of uh, bean snack. Uh, we have many, many SaaS companies, a lot of uh, software as a service companies, platform companies, uh, travel companies. We have more than 350 different portfolio companies. I don't kid you, in all different verticals all across the globe. We've had everything from an 80-year-old grandmother in South Africa uh, who got a QVC deal on a garment, textile, patented, everything else, uh, to 20-year-old Villanova students that just sold uh, their medical device company to Peter Thiel uh, to go ahead and get the next round out in England. So, And everything from a 50-year-old Uh, A fired marketing exec during COVID ended up getting product of the year in the trucking industry uh, the following year. You name it, we've got it. And I don't say that lightly. All different industries, all different verticals, age groups, gender, ethnicities, it doesn't matter. Uh, Really, we're blind when it comes to that because the market determines it.
0: I love that. So in your process, then basically, when you're helping these folks along, you're not taking any money from them, you are actually investing in their success. Is that correct? We're very long-term players.
1: Yes. The, the only way that we actually get anything is if their company is successful, and even then we get equity in the company that may not be worth anything at all. So we're there for a long-term player. Our main goal is really to go and get that company to at least 10 million in valuation, uh, and then it becomes more of a standardized type of play. Uh, but our main goal, our main strength really, is to get that initial from zero up towards of 10 million, 15 million, 20 million
0: in valuation. Okay so you're you're kind of like, and I and, and correct me if I'm wrong, sort of kind of like a shark tank, but you're not really handing out the, the cash. You're actually handing out the expertise and and the help along the way. We're, we're kind of a benevolent despo. Uh, think of
1: us that <laughs> way, all right? So we know what we're doing. Uh, we can't make you do what we tell you to do, but almost always we're typically right on that because we have the vested interest in getting a company there. But we have a process. It's 300 different micro steps. I won't go into that. But we take a company literally from ideation to launch. Uh, and it doesn't matter the industry or vertical. Uh, it works. It's a, And it creates a much higher success rate than anything out there, whether it's VCs, accelerators, and incubators, Y Combinator, TechCrunch. We
0: crush them when it comes to success rates. I love it. Fantastic. We're coming to the end of our time together, unfortunately. Any uh, uh, thoughts that you want to leave our audience with uh, as we, we close out? I I think you touched on it from the very beginning, and that's, you know, what is the
1: most important piece of advice you can give an entrepreneur or a potential entrepreneur? Uh, And we always call the entrepreneurship journey the roller coaster of awesomeness, uh, the absolute roller coaster of awesomeness. And there's only one person that can stop that ride, and that person is? Yourself. Damn right. So long as they don't forget that. You are the person. That's it. So long as you never stop, you never give up. You'll get to where you want to go. That is key. Never give up.
0: Fantastic. Hey, if you want to know if you're an entrepreneur entrepreneur or not, actually go to uh, Chris's LinkedIn page and look at his uh, video on 54 ways to know if you're an entrepreneur. It's a It's actually very entertaining as well as informative, too. I really enjoyed that. So uh, that was pretty fantastic. Chris, if folks want to find out more about you, about your business, how they can get involved, if they want to pitch you an idea, how do they go about doing that? Sure. They just go to
1: gusher.co, G-U-S-H-E-R dot C-O, and they can log in, create a startup, create a draft, and we're on it instantly. We'll go ahead and see them. We'll interact with them. We'll take a meeting almost immediately with them. It doesn't cost a damn thing.
0: I love it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for being on the show. And folks, that is our show for today. So thrilled that you could be with us. Uh, Business Breakthroughs is sponsored by Titan Media Works. Check us out at titanmediaworks.com. That's works spelled W-O-R-X. And also check out all the other great hosts on Small Business Delivered Network at smallbusinessdelivered.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Bye-bye.